ears and our hearing, that what is said this morning is in accordance to the word of God. What is heard this morning is for the good of God's people and for the glory of Jesus Christ. It's in his name that we pray. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. A few weeks ago, as we uh, prepared, began to prepare for this particular service and the ordination of John Bryan to the diaconate, I had a conversation with Bishop Sandy. Uh, it's always the bishop's prerogative to preach, to celebrate, really to do everything there is to do liturgically within a service. And uh, I asked Bishop Sandy, what would you like to do today or on that particular day? Well, in our conversation, I was voluntold that I would be preaching this morning. And I uh, am honored to be asked to preach uh, on this occasion, this occasion of John Bryan's ordination to the diaconate. I must admit that uh, though I've been involved in pastoral ministry for 17 years now, I believe that on this particular occasion, I am the least qualified clergyman here, or at least among the least qualified clergymen here. I'm pretty sure that Forrest went to seminary with Moses. <laughs> Mike was in the graduating class of uh, the University of Moab with Joshua. <laughs> and Bishop Sandy, of course, is a bishop. And yet one must do what that which the bishop requests. And so I do that. John and members and guests, the call to ministry in general and the call to be a deacon in Jesus' church is fundamentally the call to the ministry of service. And in that call to the ministry of service, the life of a deacon, the ministry and service of a deacon within the church takes the shape of the cross. Not something that comes naturally to us humans. This is something that is expected by God of those he calls into ministry. Those who are called by God those who are called into his ministry must go with eyes open to the reality. The deacon's service, a deacon's ministry, is in the shape of a cross and is therefore a form of death. Now, all discipleship, really, all discipleship, any single individual who follows after Jesus, who trusts in him, who becomes a follower of Jesus, should be considered a type, this should be considered a type of death. In Luke chapter 9, for example, Jesus clearly means nothing short of this, as he says, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. And before it was a fashion accessory, a cross was a means of execution. His disciples would have understood to follow after Jesus means to die. German theologian and pastor Dietrich Bonhoeffer has this famous quote from his book, A Call to Discipleship. When Christ calls a man, he bids him come and die. And so all discipleship is a dying to self, but it is a dying and a death that leads to life. And that same passage in which Jesus in Luke chapter 9 says, if you were to follow after me, you must take up your cross, he says this as well. Whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. John, in answering God's call, you are entering a life that includes a kind of death. Death to self, 
death to the approval of others, but in this, true life is found. In this service, in this kind of death, John, you go with the call of God upon you. In a few minutes, during the prayer of consecration this morning, Bishop Sandy will pray these words. Therefore, Father, through Jesus Christ, your Son, give your Holy Spirit to John. Fill him with grace and power and make him a deacon in your church. John, as you enter into this ministry of life and death and service, always know God is the one who has called you. Always know God is the one who's equipping you. Always know God is the one who is ordaining you. Never apologize for the caller or the stole, because they are signs that God has made you, that God has made you a deacon in his church. Before and above anything or anyone else, a minister of the gospel called and equipped and ordained by God serves God first. This isn't any different than that to which all Christians are called as believers in Jesus are to center their lives upon him, love him with all their heart, mind, body, and soul, and to do all things for his glory. However, I think that it is for those of us called and ordained vitally important to always keep the audience of one at the forefront of the mind, precisely because ministry is dying and it is living. And it is cross-shaped. The service of a deacon, the service of a gospel minister, takes expression in a few ways. And for this morning, I'd like for us to focus on two of those aspects. The service of the word and the service of the sacrament. Again, in a few minutes, uh, Bishop Sandy will charge John with these words. You are to assist the bishop and priests in public worship and in the ministration of God's word and sacraments. Ordained ministers are to be men of the word of God, serving God and God's people through the preaching and proclaiming of God's gospel and God's kingdom. There is a kind of dying that is found in this. On the first hand, there is death to the self. Preachers must first gospel themselves before they ever gospel the people to whom they preach. Before any word is uttered in an act of worship, many words are uttered to the self. Before a sermon is ever preached to people, it is preached to the preacher. This is a death to self, as quite frankly, in the gospeling of the self, our idols are confronted. As we come before God's word, our fears, our worries, our anxieties, our self-sufficiencies are all challenged. The foundational level of preaching, this preaching to the preacher, this requires a death to the self as the word of God confronts the desire for control, the desire for comfort, and the approval of others. It confronts any notions of autonomy and self-will. These are all met by God and God's word. In responding with obedience to the call of God, one accepts his authority and the authority of his word. And this requires the ongoing seeking of humility, the surrender even, as the minister must consistently seek the Holy Spirit to transform his heart, toward the humility of Jesus, that the preacher might step out of the spotlight, that Jesus might take center stage. Preaching 
preaching the word, can only ever be truly and faithfully done as it points to Jesus first, the all-sufficient one. Lewis Allen puts it this way, Preaching must always be an exercise in self-effacement, not self-promotion or even self-fulfillment. Why? Because the preacher is called to point to Jesus. And that is a dying to self, but it is a dying to self in which the preacher lives in Christ. And in this death and this life, the preacher willingly serves others. In the service to the word, there is another kind of death, and that is found as the preacher runs risk of rejection. Preaching the word of God does mean offering comfort, solace, and encouragement. But preaching the word of God faithfully also means challenging complacency, sin, disbelief, and cultural conformity. This means, through the word of God, saying things that are not necessarily popular and are difficult. John, if I can speak quite frankly to you. The world is full of sermons that only give back to the world and hearers what the world already wants and desires. Our world is full of enough sermons, under a stole even, that reflects more political ideology than gospel theology. That reflect and are full of a cultural defined progressivism and tolerance and not an exposition of sin in God's grace. The world is full of sermons with get-rich schemes in the now, and certainly not enough get-rich schemes in heaven. This reflects this thought that Jesus' church will somehow grow through the preaching of feeling good or seven steps toward a healthy whatever. One bishop a few years ago spent a portion of her Easter sermon pontificating on bovine flatulence and the rise of the oceans. John, the kingdom of God, Jesus' church grows through the preaching of God's word, through the preaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Prosperity and cow farts will not do it. <laughs> preaching about Jesus, the incarnation of the eternal Son of God, crucified, risen, and ascended so that sinful humanity might be forgiven and come out from under the wrath of God, adopted by the Father, received the Holy Spirit for the ongoing work of transformation. That is necessary for his kingdom to grow. And you are called to that. Yes. All those ordained by God are called and entrusted with the faithful preaching of the gospel. And to faithfully preach the word of God, to faithfully keep the first charge we are given, the one called and ordained to preach must run the risk of rejection. And that is cross-shaped. Preachers run the risk of being misunderstood, misheard, and rejected due to the faithful preaching, but it is ultimately out of love for the people that it is done faithfully, because it is only through preaching God's word that God's people are brought back to Jesus. English Puritan John Flavel gives us encouragement here. We must watch while others sleep. We must fight in defense of the truths we preach as well as study them to paleness and preach them unto faintness, but well spent head, heart, lungs, and all, welcome pained breasts, aching backs, and trembling legs, if we can by all but approve ourselves Christ's faithful servants and hear that joyful voice from his mouth, well done, 
good and faithful servant. John, trusting in the grace of the Father, trusting in Jesus, the King of the entire universe into which you will preach, trusting in the equipping of the Holy Spirit, I echo to you Paul's words to Timothy. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. A second and significant aspect of a deacon's ministry is in the sacramental service, rightly ministering the sacrament. Of course, there is in our Anglican communion a distinction made in how bishops, priests, and deacons function liturgically. All three offices are bound up in ministering the sacraments, the Lord's Supper and baptism. The minister serves between God and God's people as God works to give invisible and spiritual grace through the visible and physical signs of water, bread, and wine. This is an amazing privilege. Themselves recipients of God's amazing grace, ordained ministers are used by God, the chief actor within the sacrament, to extend his grace to others. I want for us this morning, however, to think beyond that just about how a deacon's service is sacramental in itself. Let me explain what I mean. A sacrament is a physical sign which points to a spiritual reality that is beyond itself. So, for example, as we celebrate the Lord's Supper this morning, the bread is a physical sign. It is physical bread that is baked in our homes. It points us beyond itself to the body of Jesus Christ, broken in crucifixion, yet raised by the power of the Holy Spirit and bearing its scars at the right hand of the Father. The wine, physical wine that is poured out of a bottle into a decanter, it points to the blood of Jesus Christ, sweated out in prayerful agony, dripping from wounds caused by the scourge and poured out of his side. The service of the deacon sacramental in nature, points to a reality beyond itself as it reflects Jesus and points to the incarnational reality of the Christ. Think about this. The, in Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 8, St. Paul writes, Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, through, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Reflecting on this particular passage of Scripture, Roman Catholic deacon William T. Deitwig writes, Those who would be leaders in the community of disciples are to be identified by their own self-sacrificing love in imitation of the humbling of Christ. In a few moments, we will hear these words said directly to John. At all times, your life and teaching are to show Christ's people that in serving the helpless, they are serving Christ himself. And thinking of this sacramentally, the service of a deacon points to a reality beyond itself. It points to the reality of Jesus, the incarnation of the eternal Son of God, and the depth of God's love and grace expressed in this incarnation. And so I think that we can say that a deacon, his ministry is sacramental and that it points beyond himself, pointing toward Jesus. 
and even more, pointing to the ministry of the body of Christ, the members of the church. It's appropriate to reflect upon our gospel at this point. Jesus told his disciples, stay dressed, stay dressed for action and keep your lamps burning and be like men who are waiting for their master to come home from the wedding feast so that they may open the door to him at once when he comes and knocks. The expectation here is for God's people in Jesus to be actively serving, even while the master is away, so that when the master returns, he finds them prepared and productive. A deacon has responsibility in this. And a major part of the responsibility of the ordained ministry, this cross-shaped service of ministry, is to help other disciples actively wait, dressed for action. The reality is that the deacon's service is to reflect the church back to itself. A deacon does not have a monopoly on service within the church. Joseph Cardinal Bernadine once remarked, the deacon is meant to be an eloquent reminder to each of us of what we too should be doing, what we must continually strive to become in accord with our own God-given gifts. In this, then, the deacon models points beyond himself, sacramental, to the body, what, to the body, what Christian service looks like and is to be, and thus, in this, is a prophetic call to the body to be the body of Jesus. A deacon's job is not to take away from the ministry of the congregation, but rather to see the ministry of the congregation multiplied, pointing towards Jesus to a reality greater than himself, pointing the church to the church is called to be. This is the dying to self, but this is finding life in Christ. This is cross-shaped. John, in serving God through serving God's people, point the people you serve to the Lord you serve, to Jesus. And hold fast the confession of your hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And consider how to stir others to love and good works. In the ordained ministry, especially of the deacon, we see Dietrich Bonhoeffer's, Bonhoeffer's famous quote writ large, when Christ calls a man, he bids him come and die. In his service to the word, the deacon is bound up under the authority of God, gospeling himself and others, and there is death. In his service to the sacraments and in sacramental service, pointing beyond himself, there is a dying to self and a living towards Christ. A deacon dies to self and lives to Christ in this cross-shaped ministry. As we hear in Scripture, the way of death in Jesus, the way of the cross is actually the way to true life. And again, one of John's favorite quotes, again from Bonhoeffer, if we answer the call to discipleship, where will it lead us? What decisions and partings will it demand? To answer this question, we shall have to go to him, for only he knows the answer. Only Jesus Christ, who bids us follow him, knows the journey's end. But we do know that it will be a road of boundless mercy. Discipleship means joy. In the losing of life and the self, the gaining of life in Christ, there lies true and lasting joy as Jesus is found to be sufficient in all things. John, in answering God's call, you're entering into a life of risk, a kind of death. 
But in this life of risk and this kind of death, you go with the call of God upon you. You will find death. But with it, you will find life and joy in Jesus Christ. John, my brother, you have been warned. And I pray that you have been encouraged. And I've said this to you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Gracious God, we praise you and give you thanks for your call. We praise you and we give you thanks for your love of the church of Jesus that you provide for her ministers, deacons, priests, and bishops. Gracious God, we pray that we would uphold and uplift John and Sylvia and their family as they enter into this, and that you would be glorified as we worship you in the midst of all these things. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's stand together and continue our worship as we sing.